Welcome to the Life in the Red podcast presented by the Lincoln Journal Star, your source for Husker news, analysis, and more. From football in the fall to recruiting in the summer, we've got you covered. Now, here are your hosts, Chris Bassnett, Parker Gabriel, and Stephen M. Sipple. Three, two, one. Welcome in, Life in the Red podcast. I'm Chris, there's Parker, no Steve today, but we're going to muddle through somehow. It is... Right. Try. It's going to be an emotional, it's going to be a difficult day. Be tough. We'll get through it though. It's 3.08 p.m. on uh, April Fool's Day, um, April 1st, 2022. And this is no joke. Steve actually is not here. This is not, this is not some prank we're praying you guys because we would not do that. So we're going to keep this one relatively shortish today. Probably we'll talk a little hoops. We'll talk a little football, uh, spring game, one week and one day away. Is that right? Yeah, yeah. it's next weekend. Yeah, that's what yeah. I thought. It's I really know what day. It's sort of yeah. been like that. Someone said, someone tweeted at me on Wednesday. I, I said, oh, it was, you know what it was about? And we'll talk about it later. It was about the kid from TCU, O'Shawn Mathis, visiting. And I said, next weekend for the spring game. And someone tweeted back at me. They're like, that's next weekend? And then I was like, oh, shit, do I have this wrong? Yeah. But no, I don't. It is next. It it's, is a week. It's next Saturday. weekend. It, it's April 9th, 2022. Yeah. Memorial Stadium. Yes. We will be there. You guys will be there. Sippa will be there, hopefully, God willing. And <laughs> we're going to talk about it then. We're going to talk about it now, too. But first, right. a little hoops. Shout out to the Wofford Terriers, by the way. That's the shirt I'm wearing, in case anybody was wondering. Um, you got Wofford. The little man had St. Peter's on. It was repping some St. Peter's swag. Yeah, my, my, my mom bought yeah, my mom bought my son a little St. Peter's Peacocks T-shirt. Dad, dad likes to collect the, uh, the obscure college mascot t-shirts he got a delaware blue hens hoodie in the mail today and so grandma bought the grandson a little saint peter's peacocks t-shirt that he'll be wearing dad's very excited about that mom less excited because mom likes to dress him in you know like nice stuff that <laughs> well she'll be excited when shaheen hollowell starts recruiting him to st john's exactly yeah yeah seton hall seton hall seton hall that's, that's right yeah sorry my bad how dare you yeah sorry shaheen don't confuse the burrows like that they get very angry up there if you do that. So anyway, hoops. Speaking of coaching changes, not many happening for yeah. Nebraska basketball. We kind of found out this week. We know that obviously Fred Hoiberg will be back. We know Nate Lenzer will be back. We found out this week Armand Gates will be back. Um, that leaves one assistant coaching spot to fill. Armand was maybe one of the guys that was, I guess, rumored or speculated that he might move on if given the opportunity. His brother brother uh, taking the job, the head coaching job at Mizzou. And so there was kind of a natural connection there if you wanted to do that or maybe step into his brother's role at Cleveland State as the head coach. But Armand Gates staying at Nebraska for another year, confirmed by Fred Hoiberg to me last week uh, during the Crate or this week during the Creighton Nebraska baseball game. Um, shout out, shout out to Creighton Nebraska baseball. So Armand staying what on staff. This, what a game. Uh, we'll talk a little baseball later, even though there's not much to talk about. Anyway, um, so yeah, Armand, it's kind of, it's kind of like Armand's third, like third go round almost. Yeah. He, he, he coached for Tim miles and then he stayed on when Fred Hoiberg came to Lincoln with Matt Abdelmassi and, and Bobby Lutz and Doc Sadler and, and the whole crew. And now he's staying here again, uh, as the, as the team and the coaching staff and the structure of everything gets a makeover. So it's interesting to me. I think it's good. I think. I think I come down on it's good that he's staying, and here's why. Because, one, 
he'll provide some continuity along with Fred, obviously, and along with Nate uh, for, for the players that come back. Maybe more importantly, with the what with what Nebraska is probably going to do now with recruiting, as in actually send all three of their coaches out to recruit rather than one. Like, um, you know, Armand's got a ton of connections um, in the Chicago area. He's that's where he's from. You know, he Nebraska's. You can go back even just the last five six years and look at all the guys Nebraska's pulled out of Chicago: Glenn Watson, Isaiah Roby from an hour or two away, Ed Morrow before he transferred. They've gotten gone into Chicago and gotten guys and keeping a guy like Armand Gates on staff who has those deep connections in Chicago, that's going to help Nebraska a lot. I think it kind of simplifies the recruiting side of it a little bit. It maybe kind of, kind of crystallizes what they'll look for, what they'll need in that third assistant Uh, from a recruiting standpoint. Anyway, you know, you've got Nate Lindsay who's kind of handled the in-state stuff uh, the last couple months. Um, They've just recently had Kale Jacobson from Ashland Greenwood in on a visit, offered him a preferred walk-on spot. You've got Armand Gates who can kind of handle the Chicago area, Midwest area. Now maybe you look towards the guy who's maybe got a little bit more of a national uh, connection uh, in the recruiting or even international. If you want to, if you want to go that route, or if you want to get into, you know, a a West coast or an East coast or some specific region. So I think it kind of clarifies things there. So there's a lot of positives I think that come from this. Now you might look at this on the surface and say, well, we were promised all these changes (laughs) and there's not a lot of changes. And, on the surface, there's not. You're going to have one new assistant coach, essentially, and you're going to – there's been a few guys transfer out, nobody that's really played significant minutes. Um, we know Derek Walker's coming back, Trey McGowan's lap man still to make a decision. So you're looking at maybe, at most, maybe one or two more transfers coming in, depending on yeah. what those guys do. So on the surface, it's not going to look a whole lot different um, next year, which tells you that – a lot of these changes that, that were talked about a month or two ago are mostly going to be behind the scenes uh, stuff, the way it sounds. I'm, I'm going to be interested to sit down with Fred Hoiberg here when the dust settles after the final four and, and kind of get his thoughts on that and what that may look like. So yeah, Armand Gates staying. Uh, I think, like I say, I think it's good for Nebraska. He's a guy that really relates well to the players. I think this is going to give him a chance to actually show what he can do more as a coach than maybe he has the previous couple of years. That's what I find so interesting is like, I think that it's fascinating to me that at the end of the day, what is the the biggest change and really the thrust of the change that Fred Hoiberg's making in his program is essentially Matt Abdelmassi, right? And the way that Matt's role structured and had an effect on what everybody else on the staff did. I mean, it's, I've, I've heard some people say or ask like, how can Armand be that good of a recruiter if he hasn't gotten any players since he's been at Nebraska? And it's like, well, it, I mean, you could be a great shooter, but if you're never asked to shoot the ball, like how's anyone going to know? And that's sort of like, that seems to be, you know, more about this than I do, Baz, but that seems to be, it just was how they were structured. Like yeah, it was. did essentially all of the recruiting. And so I think even though it's just the one, guy and obviously doc had a big impact on the program even though he wasn't an on-floor coach last year so that's a lot of familiarity for fred hoiberg out the door between those two guys but you know with gates in particular being a chicago guy i I get the sense and of course you can draw it up and say man this should really work and it's got to actually work in practice but given fred's history in chicago and being a midwest guy himself 
it seems like the sort of ingredients are there for that to be a productive combination of Gates being the guy on the, uh, you know, boots on the ground recruiting um, the Midwest and Chicago in particular, and then having Fred be there to close, you know, and to say, Hey, this is, you know, that that's a, that's a pretty good now, you know, you never know how a guy's stock is um, especially with the rate that they've lost at here um, since he's been a coach, but you could think of worse combinations of guys, you know, other than Armand Gates and Fred Hoiberg to say, Hey, we're going to go into Chicago and we're going to find some guys that can really help us. Yeah. And and I think maybe that's one of the shifts you might see is maybe more of a a Midwestern focus uh, out of Nebraska, just from, and obviously being Nebraska, you have to recruit nationally and and you have to look in the portal and you have to do all those sorts of things. But I think, I think it can start, you know, in the Midwest and you don't have to, and we we use this comparison with a lot of sports, but look at what Wisconsin does every year. Look at the guys they go and get it's Minnesota guys. It's, it's in-state guys. You know, so having a guy like that, having a guy like Armand staff that can go into Chicago, can go into Minnesota, can go into some of these different places and has the familiarity with the Midwest, that's, I think, maybe signals another another direction they might go. And and not that Nebraska's not getting players from different parts of the country. Bryce McGowan's from South Carolina, so is his brother Trey. You know, C.J. Wilcher's from New Jersey, you know. So there's you can there's a lot of different ways to do it. But I think what you might see is maybe a trend more towards a more regionalized approach for Nebraska. And maybe that's not such a bad thing. You know, what was one of the things we talked about all basketball season was, well, these guys don't seem to fit together very well. It it seems disjointed and things like that. And I, you know, we don't know what happened behind the scenes and things like that, but we have guys from a similar part of the country with, with somewhat similar backgrounds. Maybe that helps in that regard. So again, we'll see what it looks like you know, in the next couple, in the next year, at least, we don't know if there, if there will be a couple of years, uh, depending on how next year goes, but it, you, you can kind of sense, you can kind of start to get a sense of the direction things are headed with just the way the staff's shaping up the way the recruiting shaping up the, the one guy they've added so far is a kid from Lincoln, Nebraska, uh, Sam Griesel, who was reached out to by Fred Hoiberg when he went to the portal. So, you know, there was some familiarity there already. So yeah, it's just, it's super it's it's the most interesting 10 win team of all time. It's the most interesting team in the history of basketball. It's won 24 games the last three years just because there's I think you might see a roster that's going to stay largely intact. Now they're going to lose some guys. Obviously, you're losing, you know, CJ Wilcher, Kobe Webster, maybe Lat, maybe Trey, Bryce. So the the number of guys you're losing has the chance to be high. But at the same time, the number of guys you're going to have back has the chance to be pretty high as well. And, and there's going to be some stability there and certainly some stability with a guy like Sam Greasel coming in to, to play in the backcourt, local kid, all those sorts of things. So yeah, there's going to be turnover, but it's, it's a different vibe. I think than we've seen the last few years where it's just been a, almost a complete reset going into each season. You've just seen this mass exodus of guys. It's not going to look like that this year. And I don't know that it'll look like that going forward if, if Fred does stick around after next season. So before and uh, before, let's talk a little bit about the roster. But before that, so there is the one spot to fill. So Baz, if you if you had to check all the boxes, like what is Fred looking for to fill that one that one staff spot? Like what does he need out of that coach that would be coming in? Well, that's that's the interesting part. You know, it, it seems to me it's almost like it's it's similar to Scott Frost situation, right? Like. It, Fred has his offense that he wants to run. 
you probably aren't going to see him bring in like a, a quote unquote offensive coordinator. And I don't think they need to do that. You know, I, I think they, what they, what they run can work and it did work. It, it, they proved it could work the last few games of the year um, and at different times throughout the year. But at the same time, do you need to go find like a defensive minded guy? Do you need to go find like a doc Sadler type that can also recruit and coach and, and bring in some fresh ideas on defense? Maybe. You know, you look at Nebraska, <laughs> they've been good in any area, but they've been really bad defensively uh, in the conference um, for most of Fred's tenure here. They were, they were pretty good, not this season, but last season when Doc was right. kind of running things. I think they were 40th nationally in, in defensive efficiency. So do you bring in somebody that can get you back to that level? Um, do you got, go for more of a guy that has a defensive focus and maybe has a recruiting focus in a different part of the country, the South or the East or whatever it may be? I can see him going that direction. Um, but at the end of the day, it's got to fit with what, what Fred wants. I mean, it, it's going to be a different guy, no matter who he brings in. And it's going to be a guy that maybe Fred isn't totally familiar with, but do you go more of a defensive minded guy or do you bring in a guy that maybe aligns more with what Fred wants to do and, and, and play a ton of offense and, and try and overwhelm teams that way. So it's, it's, it's interesting to me just because you don't necessarily have, you know, defensive coordinator, offensive coordinator, all that sort of stuff in basketball, but you can kind of see where, Nebraska could go this direction or go this direction based on, on what they need and what they need to look for. So that's, yeah, hoops. That, that's hoops. And then with Walker coming back, with Walker coming back, last thing, Baz, like, are they, and then obviously they've got Blaze Keita, big man coming in. Are we going to see some, are we going to see some, uh, maybe not Twin Towers action, but is that a, how does that, how does that look? Obviously there's a long way to go and you got to see, you know, match skill sets and all that, but yeah, uh, that's a, that's not the style that Fred's normally played two bigs on the floor, unless one of them is a point, you know, you know, point forward type, which neither, as far as I can tell those no, guys, Blaise, are. So neither Blaze nor Derek will be bringing the ball, up. <laughs> bringing the ball up the floor. So that sort of sets up the next iteration of, interesting uh, challenges for the offseason, right? Is figuring out how to get the most out of who is probably your steadiest player in Derek Walker coming back now for a sixth year, get more rebounding out, uh, you know, and, and some, some post presence out of blaze and still play the way that you want to play. Yeah. It's, and, uh, you know, we can throw Wilhelm Breidenbach into this yeah, too. Sure. Let's not forget about him. And a lot of this is going to depend on his recovery um, going through the summer and things like that. But you're talking, you know, Wilhelm 6'10". Kate is 6'11", I believe, listed 6'11". Um, Derek, 6'8". So you have the potential to be really, really big uh, in your across your front line. And, and with a guy like Wilhelm, you know, there's your guy that can maybe step out and shoot a three or, or bring the ball up the court in certain situations if you need him to. So I'm, it's going to be a super, super interesting lineup. It's, it's kind of almost shocking to me they were able to keep that recruiting class all together. They're going to get all four yeah. guys on yeah. campus, it sounds like. And – Look, like those guys are going to help. Like Ramel Lloyd's going to come in and help right away. You know, that's he played high level prep prep school ball this year. Blaze Kieda, yeah, he's going to have to adjust. He's coming from JUCO to to Big Ten, and we think he's going to be solid. He's an older guy, but he, you still got to make that adjustment. That's a big one. You know, coming from JUCO up to up to Power Five level basketball, Power Conference level basketball. So it might take him some time. You know, but at the same time he can come in and help you. He's big body. You know, Jamarcus Lawrence is a guy that gets played high level prep hoops. Can he come in and help you right away? Denim Dawson's been in the program this semester, you know, so you can, you can kind of see the, 
the pieces floating out there and they don't have to do a whole lot to kind of fill this roster out, depending on what happens here the next couple of weeks. But yeah, absolutely. To get to the point of your question, I think you absolutely could see a guy like Derek on the floor at the same time as blaze and, and even throw Wilhelm out there as well. Maybe, you know, as a, if you're going to go a super big lineup, put Wilhelm at the three and Derek at the four and blaze at the five, if you want to do that and put, throw a couple, you know, you got Sam Grease who's a six, six guard out there. If Trey McGowan comes back, that's six, four, <laughs> you're real big all of a sudden they're going and from five out to five in. Yeah. They're going to play five, five in, the lane. in offense, five in the lane offense. We're not sure how it's going to work, Yeah, but, but no, I mean, and that's why I think Fred is going to earn his money next year. Cause he's going to have some options. And I think they're probably going to do some things differently. Stylistically. We kind of saw that as the year went on this year. What's that going to look like when they get those guys into the gym and start working with them this summer and get closer to, you know, October, November, when some start playing games. So, yeah, I, I don't think you rule anything out right now. And that includes, you know, having multiple bigs on the floor at the same time. I'll give you a, just real quick while I'm thinking of it. Timeline. I would guess we're going to have an assistant coach announced by the end of next week, you know, final four this week. And it could yep. just kind of make sense. You know, Fred can go down there and talk to guys if he hasn't already and all those sorts of things. As far as players, you know, I think that's still up in the air. I think you'll see the assistant coach thing get worked out first, you know, and then, like you said, you're basically waiting on Lat Man and Trey McGowan's to make a decision on what they want to do. So we'll see what that looks like going forward. But I think I, it could be, rel- knock on wood, it could be relatively quiet, you know, after the next couple of weeks. And now those are my famous last words and what yeah. that's going to happen. But yeah, I think you're going to see some, some, um, some things kind of get tied up here over the next week or two. Interesting. Yeah. Well, it'll be, uh, I don't know. It, it always is easy to make a lot of the off season and this one's just getting started, but it really is going to be interesting to, to sort of track and, and then eventually, you know, hopefully relatively soon hear from Fred about, you know, how he envisions it, it all working together. Um, should we talk a little, should we talk a little football? Do it. While we're sitting here. So a couple interesting things, maybe the most interesting thing we've heard, um, in the last couple of weeks has been about the offensive line. Uh, maybe one of the bigger question marks on this team, certainly an area that struggled last year. And we heard Brant Banks uh, earlier this week, just talk about you guys are going to know it when you see it uh, in the spring game, as far as how, how it looks different. He talked about how they're moving better, how they're getting off the ball better. And Nuri Noeli kind of said the same thing last week, you know, that, that they're firing off the ball, they're running the ball down. You know, of course, this is all just Kool-Aid for the masses. Right. Chug yeah. It's hundred percent. It's, it's, it's interesting because you have a new O-line coach. You have, a, you have a unit that really, really struggled last year. And now all of a sudden you're hearing all these, all these well, we're, we're totally different. We're totally changed. We're going to run the ball and blah, blah, blah. So I guess just, Parker, your take on what you've kind of heard from those guys and how that kind of maybe matches up with what we've, what we've seen so far. Yeah, well, it's interesting. I mean, one of the things that Donovan Rayola said from the start was that a big part of – offensive line play is playing together and playing with confidence. And obviously there's a lot more that goes into it than that, but the confidence seems to be real. Now, whether the improvement is, I mean, we just don't, it's hard to sit here and say like that we know that because we don't watch practice and it's only the spring and, you know, it's different uh, at, you know, it's different going against those guys, uh, you know, Colton Feist and, and Ty Robinson in practice than it is against, Playing Wisconsin in you know November or Iowa in November or whatever, so there's a lot you know there's a long way to go. There's a lot to 
figure out and sort out and they're going to get more guys back healthy for Hoskin and Corcoran and figure out a top five and they might add another guy from the portal and all of that. But I just think it's, um, you know, all we can do is go off what they say and the players seem to be really enjoying what it looks like yeah. and how it feels yeah. so far in spring. And so that to me, like the two, two of the biggest questions on the roster, even with the changeover at quarterback and new guys at running back and receiver and all of that, like the trenches are really what this off season is about to me, um, you know, mm-hmm. because of, I mean, actually both coaches turned over with Tony Tuioti leaving in addition to Greg Austin being fired, but it's really about the succession plan on the defensive line, especially interior on defense. And it's about a lot of new stuff on offense, even though most of the guys are the same. So they're sort of like inverse uh, pictures, but they're both huge question marks. And I, I don't know. It's, it's, we will, we'll, we'll see it, I guess, uh, a week from Saturday, but moreover this fall. Um, but yeah, I just, I find it, that's sort of the key. I mean, it's, it's certainly among the most important things. And so um, I think, I don't know if you can take a whole lot from, from what is said on a Wednesday in late March or early April, but I think you can take that those guys feel good about what it looks like at this point. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's, I, I use the word fascinating a lot, but you know, with a, it's a new coach who, who, when he's in front of the media, doesn't say a whole lot. Um, and that's fine. But you, it, you talk to those guys that are being coached by him and it's like, he's a dude like behind the scenes, like they really seem to love him. And he really seems yeah. to have infused some, some different energy in, into what they're doing. So it, will we be able to tell a lot from the spring game? No. You know, like you said, there's so many injuries there so much, so many questions on both sides, uh, both offensive line and defensive line. That's going to be hard to tell until you, until you get into it, you know, in the, in the, in the next few months, when you get into August, September, that, that sort of thing. So, yeah, you're right though. It's, it's just really interesting to see what this, what these guys are saying right now and kind of how they feel about the whole thing. Yep. We'll go, we'll do a much deeper breakdown of what we expect to see in the spring game. And we'll know a little bit more about the format and all that next week after we hear from Scott Frost on Wednesday. Um, And we'll also next week talk more about the recruiting element because it's going to be a huge recruiting weekend for Nebraska. But just quickly before we go, Baz, the one guy who we know is going to be on campus is a Sean Mathis, um, who's a transfer edge rusher from TCU, 6'6", 260, and he's a really productive player. He had nine sacks uh, in 2020, uh, played well last year as well. I think he had four and a half, uh, 14 tackles for loss in 2020. And he's a guy that started 34 games for the for the uh, Horned Frogs. Now, it's going to be tough to get him. Nebraska is definitely in the mix uh, along with Texas. Um, but he's just one of – he's going to be probably one of the only guys who's taken an official visit and maybe one of the only transfer guys on campus. But – uh, big to just get him here in Nebraska has got a chance between its coaching staff and the NIL operation to uh, make a really you know strong pitch to him. What uh, what what would you put Nebraska's odds of of landing Oshan at right now? That's a good question. I, I you know it depends a little bit on on what he's looking for. The opportunity to play, obviously, um, you know it's here, and and I think you know Nebraska has. Texas is ramping up its its NIL operation, and obviously they've got the the collective of donors down there. But I'm guessing um, that Nebraska can offer a lot in that regard. And in fact, uh, O'Shawn Mathis took note on Twitter a couple of weeks ago 
I think it was Sam McEwen from the World Herald tweeted out what Casey Thompson said about Nebraska being a lot further ahead than Texas and NIL. And that piqued O'Shawn Mathis's attention on Twitter. I, I mean, hard to read too much into a single tweet, but it's going to be part of the recruiting equation going forward. And I think it's going to be very interesting. I think this weekend with the spring game, that's definitely, you know, I think that that part of the conversation, I don't know about publicly, but uh, it's, it's certainly ramping up. Um, and I think it'll be, I think it's a bigger part of the pitch or, or at least as big a part of the pitch as it's ever been uh, going forward for Nebraska. Could be maybe the, one of the first real big names that, that Nebraska, if they pull this off, is able to land with with the NIL stuff. Casey yeah. Thompson also being among that group too. So it's something to watch for sure. Well, that's kind of mostly wrap it up for this week. Uh, we have we have various things we need to tend to this afternoon. <laughs> it's a little shorter yep. show. Appreciate you guys tuning in. We'll be back probably next Wednesday, Thursday with a new episode for you. We'll preview the spring game. Get y'all ready, set to go for that. Make sure you're checking out journalstar.com for all the all the hype, all the all the information leading up to that and We'll keep you informed. And until then, we'll talk to you soon.